Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Recovered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? So Caitlin Clark broke the scoring record last night. That audio courtesy of Peacock. Uh, it was a really cool night for Caitlin Clark, for Iowa Hawkeye athletic supporters. 21,000 in the building last night. We just saw her in Charlotte a couple of months back. The Hawkeyes and the Hokies. It was a great night for the Charlotte Sports Foundation. Great night for women's college basketball. But last night, Caitlin Clark broke the scoring record. And it's absolutely you know, amazing that she did that. I, I think any of us who've been paying attention to Caitlin Clark's career thus far, certainly to last year's Final Four, uh, which might have been the best all-time year for college ba- women's college basketball in history, once we, we knew how close she was, we all figured she'd break it. Um, she ended the game last night with 3,569 career points. Uh, she broke the record that was uh, previously held by Kelsey Plum. And, I mean, Caitlin Clark is all the rage today. She was just eight points shy of the record before last night. She broke Kelsey Plum's record. The history-making bucket occurs just two minutes, 12 seconds into the game. Um, And she hit a three from the logo to do it. As some have said, the most Caitlin Clark way possible to break that record. And the sold-out crowd at Carver-Hawkeye Arena, you know, was electric from the beginning, but just exploded when that happened. The, The ovation that she got was incredible. She, as a matter of fact, Caitlin Clark actually tried to discourage the rousing ovation, but her head coach, Lisa Bluter, rightfully called timeout to give her and her teammates and the fans a, a really quick moment to celebrate. Th- this is as much momentum as I think we I've ever seen for women's college basketball in my lifetime. And I say that as someone who grew up watching uh, Gino Ariema's teams at UConn, uh, Pat Summit's teams at Tennessee, and all the great teams. Somebody who grew up you know, at the time of the launch of the WNBA. I remember watching Cynthia Cooper early on in the WNBA when it first launched. I watched Rebecca Lobo play. In the WNBA. Like a lot of you, I'm just a sports junkie. I watched this stuff as a kid growing up. I had a great deal of, of interest in it. And over the last 25 years or so, the WNBA really hasn't been able to grow. Uh, what little growth they might have enjoyed was not sustainable. But the WNBA really hasn't been able to grow. Is this the moment that it finally can? Because some are, are saying yes. Um, some are projecting that, you know, this type of, of surge momentum in the women's college game, the final four that was, you know, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Iowa, LSU, um, the bird versus magic moment, you know, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. Like, this is this is the time that it's going to happen. And as we go into NBA All-Star Weekend and tonight in the three-point shooting competition, we'll have Steph Curry and Sabrina Inescu, a name that you might have forgotten about. Uh, maybe you didn't because she's still a very prominent WNBA player, but uh, you might have best known her for her time at Oregon and the job and, you know, the performance is there in the NCAA tournament and the record's broken and, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, for a lot of folks tonight, Sabrina Ionescu is going to pop back up on the radar for the first time in a couple of years. Is that what Caitlin Clark is destined for? I, what, what are we looking at here, Smoke? You tell me. You're a big sports fan. Um, Caitlin Clark did something incredibly cool last night on the women's side of the game. She's the all-time leading scorer. I get asked questions about her on the text line quite a bit, often when we're not actually even talking about anything remotely close to it. But I I do find myself, like a lot of folks, wondering, okay, after this year for Caitlin Clark is over at Iowa, where she's making a ton of money, 
um, in the it, it, with NIL and you know of the name, her name, and what she's accomplished there. Is she going to grow the NBA, or is she going to go off to the NBA? And all we hear from Caitlin Clark moving forward is the occasional highlight. What do you think on Sports Center? What do you think? I don't know because technically, uh, as they were chanting last night after the game, uh, they were chanting one more year because technically she could use a COVID year. So, <laughs> and might be able to make more money in Iowa, for being honest. And I don't, I don't mean that as a slight, it's just a reality. Yeah, no, it will. Top athlete, she's probably one of the most, I, I wouldn't be shocked if people argue she's one of the most recognizable athletes in college sports today, if not Demos. I mean, she got, she has a sponsorship deal with State Farm right now. Yeah. I mean, the NBA, I think, has seen some growth, but not to what they would think. But I also wonder, you know, when you were talking about how college women's college basketball had a major you know, growth period in the mid-90s, it felt like by the time I started watching women's college basketball, it died down and was kind of back to, because people were like, oh, Gino. Gino and Pat. Gino and Pat, and then it turned into strictly just Gino because every single year, UConn was winning the national title and uh, – they were on like 80, 90, 100 game winning streaks. So it's like, what's the point? I, I don't know what to make because this is a little different. You've gotten, this feels like the most depth in terms of top tier teams you've seen in women's college basketball ever. I mean, maybe. And here's the cool thing too. Uh, she broke Kelsey Plum's record last night, but she, she's not done breaking records. I don't think um, she is within shouting distance of Pete Maravich's Overall Division One scoring record, 3,667. Um, that, what is she, 99 points away? I believe I saw that on Scott Van Pelt. She, she can leave um, as the all-time overall scoring champion or scoring leader in NCAA Division One history, men's or women's. And she didn't use an extra year. It just would have been four years. But then again, Pete didn't have a three-point line, so. Got to also point that out, too, which is still ridiculous. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's so many things that, like, there's so many qualifiers that need to be in there when you compare present day to past day. But, you know, Caitlin Clark broke a record last night, the all time women's scoring record, and it was amazing. And uh, she's within shouting distance of Pete, Pete, uh, Pistol Pete Maravich. And uh, my question is, you know, and as we see this effort to, you know, market women's sports and, and to push women's basketball and for the NBA still, you know, two and a half going on three decades later, trying to grow that league and, you know, make it profitable and so on and so forth. You know, is Caitlin Clark the player that helps the WNBA to start to climb the ladder and, and to get to the place that it wants to be? Or, you know, is Caitlin Clark going to go off to the NBA kind of like in recent memory, Sabrina Inescu? And, you know, we see an occasional highlight during the summertime, but, you know, most of all, most of the, the sports watching world you know, doesn't think as much about her because she's no longer at Iowa where, you know, she's gotten a great deal of attention, national attention and coverage. I, I do think it could change for the better in some ways. I'm not saying it's going to be a massive difference because I don't know if people have been looking at the Iowa basketball season in terms of what's happened, but it's becoming traveling roadshow. Every time she goes to a road arena, specifically in the Big Ten, it's set new records for that Big Ten arena record for women's basketball. I mean, we saw it in Nebraska. 21,000 people there yes. to see that. I mean, Nebraska just set the record. Nebraska, we know how Nebraska cares about all their sports. And I, I think they've had some pretty solid basketball teams over the years in women's basketball, but they just set a record. I mean, they had the, the essentially their fall game, their preseason game inside Kinnick Stadium. And that set a record of most for a women's basketball game, I think, ever in the state of Iowa. So I think part of it that could help the WNBA is the fact that all these big players or a good portion of these big players are now coming from different schools. So like, yeah. and I think that could help people like, Hey, you know, Caitlin Clark, she's from Iowa. The problem I think that hurt the WNBA in some cases was all the big players 
were either coming from Tennessee or UConn. So if you weren't a fan of Tennessee or UConn, you wouldn't you weren't going to follow these guys at the next or girls at the next level. So I wonder now with seeing more stars from different places like Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, some of the girls from Virginia Tech whenever their day comes. Yeah, Liz Kitley, Georgia Amore. Yeah, 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 yeah. NC State. I, I think that could help the WNBA is the fact that we're starting to see more stars spread out across college basketball. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, here's the thing, too. Immediately, I get a text from a Calpine Doug who says, uh, you know, Pistol Pete played against grown men. Come on, bro. Here we go. It doesn't matter. We're talking about overall points scored. Somebody else said that Pete only played three seasons of college ball. That is the argument. Yeah. That that right there is the argument. Not, well, she played against grown men. Well, I mean, Caitlin plays against women. That's that's how this works. Men play against men. Women play against women. We figured it out a long time ago. But overall points scored, it, it's still something. Now, I also want to point this out, too. And it's been pointed out already today. Um there were more points scored in a career by a women's college basketball player once upon a time, right here in the Carolinas, as a matter of fact. Uh, it, it was Pearl Monroe and Francis Marion, Division II. Well, I, even then, I, they weren't even Division II back then. The, the mid-'70s, uh, it was, uh, what, AIAW? NAIA? No, not NAIA. It was AIAW. It was the Association for – that's like the fourth time this week you've tried to correct me. And <laughs> Sorry, I remember Elon was a part of NAIA back in the day. Elon Musk? No, I'm just messing with you. Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. Um, per, she, Pearl Monroe played at Francis Marion. She scored 4,061 points from 1975 to 1979 um, in Florence, South Carolina, not too far from Myrtle Beach, for those that don't know. And, you know, she's 66 years old now. She's living down there still. She scored more points all time. But at the Division One level, um, you know, the, the, the record is now held, held on the women's side by Caitlin Clark, and she may very well pass Pistol Pete Maravich for overall points scored when it's all said and done. 704-570-9610. number says WNBA is dead and always will be, just like spring football. I will say this, and I've, I've had this conversation with my wife and, you know, about my daughters playing sports at some point down the road, and yeah, we have these conversations all the time. Like, I, I, I completely understand the desire and passion for women's sports to be, you know, uplifted and better marketed and things like that. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to require, you know, female fans to really support it. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that everybody can't, right? But men have been supporting men's sports and, you know, lifting up men's sports and funding men's sports and buying the tickets and the cable packages and the jerseys and everything else for, you know, decades now. Um, I, I think if you're going to see any meaningful growth in women's sports in that way, it's going to be because more, more and more women become diehard, passionate fans. And that's the cool thing about watching it again last night, you know, was seeing just how many young girls were there at the Carver Hawkeye Arena to get autographs signed by Caitlin Clark. And, you know, it, it, it was a cool night, man. I thought it was really neat for sports. And, you know, I, I figured some of my uh, my Knuckle Dragon buddies on the text line would come out and say, oh, it's women's cause. We, we celebrate greatness on this show, all right? And Caitlin Clark is the epitome of greatness. And while there have been some really good players in college basketball history, um, it will be said when her career is over that she was probably the greatest of all time. At least in certain statistical, categorical ways, she will go down as the greatest of all time. And that's the big thing. I don't know if we'll be able to figure this out until 15, 20 years down the line because a lot of people, a lot of girls specifically in the state of Iowa and across the globe for that matter, are going to be huge C Caitlin Clark fans. And we might see an influx that we don't know about right now that could impact seeing more girls playing college or college basketball just playing basketball in general that could mean to more girls watching WNBA basketball and so on and so forth but we won't know until about 15 20 years down the line yeah probably not probably not by the way I think I called Pearl Moore Pearl Monroe 
So here you and I are going back and forth. <coughs> Pardon me. As I was talking about Pearl Moore from Francis Marion uh, back in the mid 70s, George says I called her Pearl Monroe, and I think we all know who I was you thinking get, about. You got to confuse with Earl. Earl the Pearl, Pearl Monroe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. 704 uh, My apologies. So again, uh, Caitlin Clark, the all time women's leading scorer, is a cool night for women's college basketball. What's the future look like for her? And I, I think that's a very appropriate question. As tonight, you're going to see Steph Curry taking on Sabrina Ionescu uh, as part of NBA All-Star Weekend in the NBA three-point competition. You fired up for this this weekend, Smoke? I, I ask you this every year. Be honest. Be honest. Um, Not really. I, I honestly had to take a look. I forgot who was in the dunk contest. I knew Mac McClung was going to defend his title, but, I mean, he's a G League guy, so we don't really keep up with the G League. I heard about Jalen Brown, which is interesting because Jalen Brown may not be a top-tier superstar, but he's the richest player in the NBA, so... And he's, he's a big name, so got that going for you. Um, trying to remember who else was in the dunk contest. I know Jalen Johnson declined. Um, three-point contest, three-point contest. Got a lot of big names in there. And uh, I, I don't really know. I, I At first, I got worried when I heard about the Sabrina Ionescu, Steph Curry thing. Yeah. Because I felt that was replacing the three-point contest. No, no, And no, that no. had me very concerned. Because, it's a one-off. It's a standalone yeah, thing. Which I have no problem with. I, I think it's pretty cool, especially since Sabrina was such a big Steph Curry fan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the three point contest and the interested to see how the Sabrina Ionescu thing is, but dunk contest is usually what I want to be most excited for. And it's just, Oh, you don't mean that really up till this day. Yeah. Uh, what? It's I been still, terrible for years. I still always hold out hope that it's going to be good. There's some years where it is good. Smokey, that's sad. I know. Well, it's just I know what the greatness was because the dunk contest at its peak, I feel like, is better than the three-point contest. When was the last great in dunk competition? When uh, Aaron Gordon got robbed the second time. Remember, he, he dunked over Taco Fall, but Dwayne Wade rigged it for a heat player. Oh. Remember, like, that was a great dunk contest. It was him and Derek Jones Jr., I believe. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it great. Okay, well, then the Zach Levine-Aaron Gordon dunk contest. You can't tell me that wasn't great. <laughs> but then Aaron Gordon got robbed. Yeah, I mean, I just want to see Mac McClung go back to back. That's really what I want to see. Gate City's finest, Mac McClung. Uh, 704-570-9610. Hit us up. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We'll come back. We got even more to get to. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Coming up Monday on the Mac and Bone Show, did the Daytona 500 take place? And if it did, who picked up a crown jewel win? Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Sports Radio yeah. 92.7 WFNZ. KB and Smoke with you back on a Friday. It's NBA All-Star Weekend. The Hornets are 3-0 going into the break, and uh, we're going to bask in it for a couple of weeks. And and I got something to play for you on that front here in just a minute. But uh, we started the show celebrating Caitlin Clark. She became the all-time women's Division One scorer last night uh, in, in scoring, what was it, eight, two minutes in, three minutes in? Uh, she broke the scoring record Kelsey held by Kelsey Plum, formerly of the University of Washington, now, now WNBA champ with the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, there are a couple of players, however, that are, are omitted from this story a little bit. Um, two, two of them, as a matter of fact. Lynette Woodard starred for the University of Kansas in the late 70s, early 80s. She scored 3,649 points 
over four years, more than Clark did. Uh, but she played at a time before the NCAA recognized women's collegiate sports. So stats from non-NCAA associations are, quote, currently not currently included in NCAA record books, regardless of uh, gender. Uh, an NCAA spokesman said in a statement, and then we mentioned Pearl Moore from Francis Marion down in Florence. She scored over 4,000 points in his career in the AIAW. So there's just a lot of acronyms there. What? What? What is it? What's Her going career. on? Huh? Her career. What'd I say? Is. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. It's the Perlman. It's the Earl the Perlman Road thing, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is, that's really confusing. I'm, I, I I pride myself on getting things right on this show, but that's really that's Pearl Lawrence, Moore. Stand up. Thank you, Pearl Moore. Four thousand over four thousand points in her career at Francis Marion down in Florence, South Carolina. My mistake. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Hit us up with your thoughts. Texters writing in. Seven zero four number said, "Man, this All Star Weekend is not that exciting." I'm old school and remember Dominique versus Jordan. Man, even the days of Vince Carter. This stuff is boring weekend material. That's from a 704 number there. I, listen, I, I still try to find reasons to uh, to be excited, like I was when I was a kid. It, it, it's not the same as it used to be. And they have, look, most things aren't. Things change, they evolve. And, you know, I, I hate the phrase, that's how we've always done it, or it ain't the way that it used to be, because th- things do change. But the events really haven't changed that much. We got some new stuff coming in, like the three-point knockout and, well, we got the skills competition. We got the celebrity game. Is it true, by the way, that Micah Parsons crossed up Stephen A. so bad last night he ended up in the hospital? Is that a thing? Uh, I haven't looked. I, I just I heard that this morning. I heard about it, and apparently Stephen A. said he did get hurt, but he okay. did get hurt by no damn cowboy. So, I got you. So I don't know <laughs> if you. that was exactly what happened, but uh, hey, if you work uh, security at the event, you might want to send that video to the TMZ. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I. I don't know. So the dunk competition, you said that you can get down with the dunk competition. Uh, a lot yeah. of folks took issue with that. Like, Smokey, come on. HJ's holding out hope with you. But a lot of folks like, Smokey, come on. This this event officially died like Weekend at Bernie style years ago. I think the only way tonight that it's really going to grab me is if Mac McClung wins it again. I thought it was tomorrow. Or tomorrow. Yeah, sorry. The, the stuff starts tonight. But this weekend, uh, if Mac McClung wins, see, you're two for two. You've corrected me twice and, you know, not so well two other times. Um, but, I mean, if Mac McClung wins it again, you know. It's that. <laughs> it's what it is. So we got Brandon Miller in the uh, the Rising Stars game this weekend, right? Yes. That's exciting. And and not because of the game itself, although the Rising Stars guys <clears throat> do tend to play a little bit harder than the uh, the All-Star guys, in my experience, the last several years, at least till the final minutes of the game, that is. And so Brandon Miller's in the Rising Stars game. That's great news for the obvious reasons. Doesn't need to be explained. There's, there are good feelings, good vibes around the Hornets right now, as we've been discussing all week. So much so that one of our listeners, Coach Cherry, who regularly tags me when he's got some good content, fresh new content posted on Instagram, he laid down a Hornets track over top of famed beat by Sean Puff Daddy Combs back in the day. Um, hypnotize, right? One of Biggie's best tracks all time. Coach Cherry laid down his own version about the new look Charlotte Hornets, and I promised him I was going to get this to the air today. Check this out. Okay. Okay. Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, look at what we have here. It's the new look Charlotte Hornets. Y'all see the performance going 3-0 and out the gate into the break. Somebody get me some floor seats for PJ. Brandon Miller, my rookie of the year. All-star game for sure by next year. Miles Bridges said no trade. I ball out. 21-7 a game. He balling out. 
Nick Richards doing his thing with Cody Martin. Both coming through in the clutch. I beg your pardon. Have you not watched and seen the new additions? Five new acts in town like new edition. 610 shooting the three. Darby Breton. Gotta guard him to infinity and beyond. Cecilia Meese is so calm. Dissects the defense. And Trey Mann wiggles with either hand. Both point guards can shoot it from downtown. Can't forget to mention the boys are back in town. Seth Curry and Grant Williams. I coached against them. Both been gone too long. Y'all know we missed them. Helped us win three in a row to end Mission. Just wait till we get LaMelo and Mark Williams, Nick Smith Jr., Thor, Amari Bailey, Bryce McGowan, Mensa, and Leakey. Daily work on their game and stay ready. Anytime their name is called, they stay ready. Anytime they play in the hive, gotta support it. City of Charlotte, your new look Hornets. What? What? Yep. City of Charlotte, your new look Hornets. Uh, Playmaker Baker says, this is all I needed to hear. The Hornets are winning it all next year. Coach Cherry, well done, my man. I, I don't know if it's safe for you to give him a standing O where you are right now, but uh, Coach Cherry, I appreciate you tagging me in that. Beautifully executed, beautifully done, well written. I mean, that that's that that's how excited people are about decent basketball. That's how low the bar was set. <laughs> like, I'm joking, but it was so good. It was so good, Coach Cherry. I appreciate that, man. Imagine, well, imagine if this team's really good. How the city will react. Oh, I, boy. I mean, more of those? I, yeah. Well, more. remember, this is the same city that threw a parade after winning 20 games in year one. That's true. <laughs> that's true. We love well, our basketball. Well, after year one, that's that's kind of justified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After year one, that's a little bit Especially justified. Especially with it being the first pro sports team here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. 704-570-9610. Texter's blowing us up. 704 number. Here we go. With this new success the Hornets are having without LaMelo Ball, would you consider trading him? You can't. It's over. The trade deadline was last Thursday, so no. Um, if you're talking about, you know, in the summertime, still no. I, I don't understand um, this 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 want, and we went through it yesterday, and I'll happily go through it again today. You know, because when I pushed back on this, there were some people saying, yeah, KB, we're not saying that he doesn't have talent. We're saying that you know, he doesn't have a winning mindset. Okay, well, he was on a winning team two years ago, and you know, most of this is about injury, and I don't think you should go bailing on 22-year-old all-stars and rookie of the years and you know, guys who certainly just signed super or max extensions. I think that's crazy. I, I think there's a time and a place for that, and if that, that time is not right now, right? All-time great teams, championship teams. You're talking about championship teams on the text line. They have... You know, cores, they have big threes. I mean, it's like all of a sudden you, you, people think that Brandon Miller is going to be the alpha dog on this team, and I think he may, may, may very well be that. But, you know, it's, well, we got hell, we can get rid of LaMelo now. Well, why? Why? Let, let's see what this looks like first. You can't trade him now anyway. I don't under, I don't understand the rush to get rid of him. I don't. I don't get it. 704-570-9610. Uh, <laughs> Robbie Dangerously, no, don't trade LaMelo. Uh, but put it in his contract. If he doesn't wear ankle braces, he gets fined. I am curious how they're going to handle that moving forward. Like, is it going to be a mandate? Because there's no way that he can continue to tell them, eh, you know, you know, I, I'm not going to keep doing this. There's no way he can justify, you know, continuing to say, ah, they hurt too much, right? Here's Del Curry, by the way, on the show on Monday, saying LaMelo's got to work on his health moving forward. All about health, no doubt. He, he's got to work on his body, get it right, get his, get comfortable in knowing that he's fully healthy, uh, weight room, rehab. Uh, you know, same thing that Steph did early in his career when, when he had ankle trouble. It was the same type of thing. You feel healthy, but mentally you, you may not 
feel like you're 100 um, percent, and that back that that doesn't give you the confidence that you need to play your game. So it's all about physicality and and him getting his body right in the off season to come back as strong as he can, because he's no good if he's not on the floor. Obviously, uh, Hornets have paid him to be that max player. Uh, he is a max player when he's on the floor, but he's got to get on the floor to help the franchise. Got to get on the floor to help the franchise. We all agree with that. Like 704 number said, hey, Ball can't stay healthy. Right now he can't. You know, he stayed healthy long enough to win rookie of the year and make an all-star team, but the last two years he's missed a lot of games, a ton of games. And and how he folds in, we talked about this yesterday, is going to be under a spotlight when he returns. And it should be. Now, a- after a lengthy absence, I think folks need to show him a little bit of grace too. Like, if he doesn't come in humming in the first two or three games, just remember that it took him a minute to get going to start the season, right? After he didn't get cleared until the start of training camp. So I, I there's just way too much talent there at too early. I, I can't even believe that we're arguing this, quite frankly. And, and look, some of these people may end up being right. Maybe he has Lonzo type health issues. Knock on wood. Maybe it's something Oof. different. Maybe he just maybe it doesn't work. It's always possible. It's always possible. But at 22, his extension hasn't kicked in yet. As good as he's been when he has been healthy, and y'all want to deal him? I mean, th- this is still a tra- this is still a draft and develop city, y'all. Right? I mean, this is a draft and develop city, and and you drafted him, and he developed insofar as you gave him the deal. Good when healthy, but we're talking trade. Come on, man. That and development takes longer in the NBA sometimes even with some of the guys that you think are superstars. Like there's some guys you don't hear from that you don't pay attention to, to a city like a West coast team. You don't think of them. And it's like year five and all it's like, Oh, they, they really figured it out. It's like, damn, it's been year five though. Sometimes it just takes that long for guys to figure it out. Unless you're like a LeBron and those are outliers in that case. Like people are probably not looking at Brandon Miller right now. They'll probably hear him in about two years and be like, Oh my God, he's doing that. Sometimes it just takes longer for you to get really on the national scale, and I, I think that maybe is what's happened with Lamelo along with the injuries. But y- y- he's got to start staying healthy moving forward. Y- you got for your stuff, and by the way, I think people forget it took Steph about four to five years. Well, and, and, and I also want to point out they couldn't Steph, have possibly forgotten because we say it all the time. What, but yeah, but I also want to point out too, it took Steph four years to finally get healthy, but Steph was also older than Lamelo. I think Steph entered the league at twenty-two. You're right about that. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it keeps coming, though. Shade Tree says, KB and Smoke, hopefully uh, we realize with the CMC trade on LaMelo, uh, don't trade. Somebody else, though, 704 number said, Melo is the CMC of Charlotte basketball, uh, a an expensive spectator. <laughs> okay. uh, Miles says he's the new Hayward, said he's the new Gordon Hayward. Uh, Chase from Charlotte is insisting that, uh, and, and multiple people are, that the, the folks who are suggesting that we trade LaMelo are folks who don't watch games. Casey from Churvel says, people who want to trade LaMelo don't watch the games. I, I'm, I will say there are some people who I, I'm pretty sure watch games on the text line who are arguing that. I understand where you're coming from, though. What you got? Well, thanks for saying it right, by the way. Churvel. Was only one way to say it. Thank you. <laughs> uh Tim H. Tanking says, where's the Scoot Anderson crowd? Anybody watch him last night? He stinks. All right. I'm not going to pile on old Scooty boy, uh, but I, I do think I, I much like the Stroud crowd will uh, will declare about Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, that it's already over. Um, the, the Brandon Miller crowd 
is already crowing it's over. And I'm not going to fight him on it for the obvious reasons. Now, you said last night, I mean, he was 5 of 12 shooting, 0 of 4 from deep, scored 15 points. He's not having near the rookie season that Miller is so far. Obvious, and it goes without saying, Victor Wimbayama and Chet Holmgren either, right? So, I, again, we'll see. Plenty of guys have slow starts to their careers. 15 points on a, it's, it's not a bad game. It's not a terrible game. I, I feel like we can't say it's over when we're also trying to let it play out with the whole Bryce situation Correct. with C.J. Stroud. Co- correct. I mean, he's averaging 13, but Scoot's averaging 13 points a game, five assists a game, three rebounds. Not a very good team. I That just started a rebuild. I, what I will say to you, Tim, is I think they picked the right guy anyway. I think they picked the right guy. 704 uh, Let's see. Playmaker Baker says Scoot would be getting a billion minutes if, if he was here due to injuries. He would, but he's also playing a lot of minutes out there. I'm not, I, I'm not arguing with you, but they're playing him too when he's healthy. Uh, and then t- Texter here says, remember a couple of years ago when people were scared of LaMelo wanting to leave Charlotte and now fans can't wait to get rid of him. It, it is funny. It is fu- I got to give it. It is funny. Because I have to believe that there's some crossover there on the Venn diagram, if you know what I mean. I have to believe there are some people who were like, he's going to leave as soon as he can. And then he signs the contract, and they're like, oh, get rid of him. His ankles are crap. He's got a crap attitude. He's a crap basketballer. Get rid of him. Got to be some of the same people. Has to be. Has to be. Um, Weatherman says, ball and chain ankled to bench needs to escape. Are you writing headlines here, Mark? What are you doing there? <laughs> what are you doing? Ball of chain <laughs> We doing Monday headlines today, Mark? I'm not quite sure what that is, man. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, 704 says his ankles would be fine if he stopped speeding through uptown in that ugly purple truck. There we go. So, <laughs> so his ankle injuries are, are being traced back to now driving that quote-unquote ugly purple truck. He, he does speed through uptown. He's, he's got to be more careful. Hey, hey. He's actually stopping at the stop. I did now. see one of the latest videos. You showed it to me that he's actually stopping at the stop sign coming out of the arena now. That's what we call growth. That's big, man. <laughs> that's just that's really big. Brian says Charlotte is a team that needs as much talent as they can get. Don't trade Lamelo. I I just think that's crazy right now. I really do. Uh, we'll talk about that later if if conditions don't improve. Now Spence says KB remember when Sacramento traded Tyrese Halliburton and everybody said what the heck are those guys doing. Anyone is on the table for trades, including LaMelo. And I, I hear you, but is Sacramento that much better off right now? No, they are because Sacramento was bad when they did that trade. No, no, no. I know that. But I'm saying you you look at Sacramento. They're eighth in the West. They're 31 and 23. You don't think they could be 31 and 23 with Tyrese Halliburton still out there? Potentially. I, that's all I'm saying. Like, they're an eight seed in the West. I know they weren't very good, and it's the Kings that we're talking about. And historically, outside of the Mitch Richmond era and the Jason Williams run, like they, they weren't great, right? Damn, showing no respect to Chris Webber. There's a reason for that. No. I'm just kidding. Just throwing out names, man. But, like, historically speaking, Sacramento hasn't exactly been a powerhouse. Nope. So that's all I'm saying. 704-570-9610. Keep hitting us up. Right now we go to smoke on the headlines. Who is smoke? Where is smoke? <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. Let's go. All right, what you got over there? I got good news and bad news, Kyle. The good news is Rob Manfred is going to retire as commissioner. The bad news, we have to wait five years. Yeah. He's going to retire at the end of his contract in 2029. And also, he did a full Rob Manfred move yesterday when he was talking about uh, what Oakland A's fans should do once the A's leave 
the city of Oakland is like, well, that's no problem. They'll still have a team to root for in the San Francisco Giants. Did, did he just tell a bunch of wounded, suffering A's fans to go be Giants fans? Yeah, they've been suffered from cheap ownership. Oh, man. That's not how it works, buddy. Nah, well, we all know that. Five more years of this jackalope? Are you kidding me? I mean, you're right. Good news, bad news, man. Good news. But, whew, all right. Anyway, go ahead. Actually, uh, now I've looked up the slam dunk contest participants for tomorrow night. So uh, here you go, Kyle. First off, defending his championship, as we already knew, Mac McClung, Jalen Brown, pretty big name in the slam dunk contest. Jacob Toppin, not Obi Toppin. Th but that's how bad it is. We don't even get Obi. We get Obi Toppin's brother. And Hami Hakez Jr. Who's doing everything. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's doing everything this weekend. I, I, mean, I knew I knew when he got drafted by the Heat, I'm like, damn it, that's a good pick. He's going to be good for them. But, I mean, I mean, think about this. You said Jalen Brown, right? Yeah. That's it. That's the, the only reason people know Mac McClung is because of last year. But he doesn't even play in the NBA. He plays for the Osceola Magic, right? Yeah, the Magic G League team. Right. So you've got a G Leaguer who, yeah, won it last year, but... Then you got Jalen Brown, you got Obi Toppin's brother, Jaime Hawkes Jr., who's like the utility man this weekend because nobody apparently wants to do anything. So they need all the warm bodies they can get. Yeah, so uh, Jacob Toppin, also a uh, G League player and essentially is the NCAA's version of Frank Stallone. You guessed it. Frank Stallone. Wow. Uh, should I feel sad? What, about Frank Stallone or just the dunk contest? All of it. I'm still going to be excited for it. I just ho hope that it delivers. Last year's dunk contest was Can pretty good. Can I give good. you some advice? Go, watch Griselda on Netflix instead. I'll tell you about it during the break. We'll come back. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. What's up? It's Walker Mail. Join Weston Walker on Monday from 12 to 3. The Panther position preview continues. This time we're talking linebackers on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Four numbers said Charlotte's population is about to double with that blue chew ad. Well, thank you. That's a very nice thing of you to say. Brendan says, uh, KB, I'm sorry, Padre Kevin says, KB, can we start talking about the 2024 draft and start the Alexander Saar to the Hornets fan club? I, I am a fan, actually. Uh, I said this earlier this week. I started watching some of the, uh, the YouTube highlights of some of the Euro prospects in the draft last weekend. I, I couldn't sleep. I was up. I thought my, my brain's messed up. And I was like, let me watch some of these guys I've never seen before. And then it occurred to me that, oh, I've, I've heard of Alexander Saar before. You know, his brother is Olivier Saar. Yeah. Yeah. Played at uh, Kentucky and Wake Forest. Yeah. So, Al Alexander Saar, a 7-1 big from Toulouse, France. Seven. Now he's wire thin. It's like two he's like 7-1, 215. What is it with these seven-foot Frenchmen? Being they, he thin? needs to add 20, 30 pounds immediately. But he's smooth. He's got some game to him. He's definitely got some game to him. Now, we are, checks notes, does the math, carry the one, uh, about four months away from the NBA draft. So I, we got some 33rd pick to discuss before we get there. Uh, but I think Alexander Saar is certainly an interesting conversation. There's no doubt about that. Smoke, you brought up the new college football game, the new NCAA college football game to me before the break. 
or during the break. I had somebody jump on me yesterday on the text line. A guy named Blue from out in Mount Pleasant when I said, oh, it's the greatest game of all time. He was like, it is objectively not the greatest game of all time. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like that's a subjective thing. Like people have favorite video games. So I can say NCAA college football is the greatest game of all time. I believe that that's a subjective take, an opinionated, an opinion-based take. And he's like, yeah, but you're wrong. Like, no, that's the definition of subjective. One can't be wrong about that. But anyway, people are all sorts of fired up about this football game coming back. I'm just nervous because even though EA Sports did a tremendous job with the college football games, over the last 15 years, their Maddens have been awful. Madden's been awful? Yeah. I never was a huge Madden guy. Like, I, I would play it, don't get me wrong. But I was never obsessed with Madden the same way that I was with college football. ESPN 2K5, baby. Let's go. All right, let's go. Let, let's bring in Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com. He covers college football, college hoops, and the PGA Tour for CBS Sports. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. NCAA College Football 2025. Will you purchase it? Yes, I will purchase it. Um, I am already, though, preparing my expectations because let's talk about – hey, Kyle. Actually, it's a good conversation. Let's talk about where you and I were. Ooh. Five the last time that the NCAA football franchise was running, how much free time did we have back then? And what is the free time deficit that we are battling right now, considering our current state? So I know that, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult for me uh, to, to give up, not give up, but to at least hit pause when I need to hit pause as I'm just sitting there trying to recruit those four stars, five stars, from out of state and establish a new pipeline state so then I can run it back next year and you know, keep my promises to my old I mean, dynasties will be built, Kyle, but it will not go as quickly uh, as it did the last time the NCAA football franchise was around. You know, it's, it's, it's hilarious that you say that because you're referring to us both having very small children, multiple of them, right? Um, yes. And so mine had me up at 4.15 this morning. The power, I don't know about your house, but the little ones in my house can't sleep without sound machines. Um, and so the power goes out. I mean, they probably can, but the power goes out. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, what's going on? You know, are, are we in a different place? Everybody's screaming for dad. So I'm up, you know, cajoling and, um, you know, comforting young kids at like 4.15 this morning. I get them back to sleep at about 4.15, 4.45. And Chip, I'm wired and wide awake. And I'm literally thinking to myself, I'm not working out in the dark. What else could I do at 4.45 now? Because I'm wide awake. NCAA 2025 college football would be the perfect answer for that scenario. Yeah, that's that, that is true. It's just it's just going to be difficult when you're dragging through the final hour. Smoke's like, what's wrong? And you're like, sorry, man. I just I I had to really you know get my guy into the Heisman conversation. This is this is not a game that I could sim. You know, I, yeah. I had to actually play it and run up the score a little bit. I went into I went into double OT with Florida State this morning at about five thirty in week seven and uh, didn't go so well. But yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about the game. I very much am. Well, hey, it's good to have you back. And uh, we talked a bit of college football news last week. Let me get to this real quick though. First, Tiger Woods back on the golf course. I I have finally reached that place, you know, in my life where I am just happy to see him out there. It's kind of like seeing an old buddy going to see your grandparents, right? You don't know how many more of those you're going to get. Um, it's not about wins and losses. It's not about, you know, big events. It's about just seeing him out there, being happy, having a good time. What'd you think about Tiger at uh, the Genesis Invitational so far? He is not teed off yet. Is that correct? T today, he no, he is not. Morning. Yeah, yeah, okay, because he was morning afternoon. Um, all right, so one, you know, one over round, he had some good shots. There were a couple things that he wished he had back. Uh, I think that 
one thing that really stands out to me about the current state of Tiger Woods is he is still capable of reaching deep or being able to pull off some of the most amazing shot making that you can imagine. It is the fact that he is not doing that, you know, 65 times in a round anymore. Um, or I guess, you know, like number of shots, you know, we'd be talking a little bit more about like 35, but you get what I'm saying that individually you can watching Tiger Woods in the year 2024, which is amazing given all the surgeries and the way that his body has been rebuilt over time. The fact that he can get out there and that he is in a place where he can create some of those amazing shots and have some amazing holes like that, that is awesome to watch. And that is worth the price of admission. But if your expectation is for Tiger Woods to be able to do that consistently over the course of not just 18 holes, but 72 holes, I think that's where, you know, all evidence from uh, limited sample size, but yes, anything in the last couple of years suggests that that's going to be a little bit more of a tall ass. Like, can he give us some thrills when he gets to Augusta with a good round on Thursday or Friday? Sure. But the, the current form of Tiger Woods still capable of creating moments, championship level moments, but we haven't yet seen him be able to do that consistently over the course of 18 to 72 holes. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What do you make of uh, Sean Elliott leaving his head coach? Two weeks in a row, we're talking about a guy leaving a head coaching job to go be an assistant somewhere else. Last week, it's Chip Kelly. This week, it's Sean Elliott leaving Georgia State uh, to go back to Columbia and be the run game coordinator for Shane Beamer. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I don't love it. Um, and here's why. That team at Georgia State had already started spring practice. You know, he had put a, a plan into place for what they were going to do over the next 15 sessions. Everybody who was on that team had already gone through off-season conditioning workouts, and, and they were getting ready to get going on you know, the position battles that would determine who they are uh, for the 2024 season. In a couple sessions into spring practice, you leave the team. I don't like it. Uh, I, I understand, uh, or I have come to understand since the news broke, that there are some, some, some ties here, or at least a, a draw to Columbia where Sean Elliott, you know, might be able to be closer to his family. You know, where Sean Elliott, who was trying his best to be able to see every one of his kids' games, you know, even had to travel away from the team for Georgia State stuff because he's constantly trying to get back to Columbia. If you're given an opportunity at a place where you know everything and a familiarity with Shane Beamer, opportunity to be back with your family and not have to be doing these drives from Atlanta to Columbia all the time, then, yeah, I can, I can understand that for Sean Elliott, the human being, this might be an improvement um, in terms of, you know, his life being a little bit easier. He might have looked at that team in spring practice, Kyle, and said, I'm going to get fired. This team's not going to win a game. But my first reaction is one that I want to make sure I, I stay on. I, I did not like, in general, the idea that you would start a spring practice and then leave because, to me, the start of spring practice is the start of the season. This is like a coach leaving his team in the middle of the season. Mm. Uh, Chip, a couple quick things to let you go. Carolina losing to Syracuse earlier this week, uh, now going into the weekend. Let's start with Syracuse. Uh, your thoughts. How how upsetting was that one, I guess, for Carolina fans? How big a deal was it? Um, continued trend over the last five games. I think the defense has taken a step back. Um, when they went on that run of 10, like 10 wins in a row, you know, 9-0 start to ACC play, we were talking about them just, really being a lockdown, great defensive team. 
You know, Armando Bacot's not scoring a bunch, but he really has stepped up as one of the ACC's best defenders. And I think he still can be that. But I think the team as a whole over the last three to five games has kind of, you know, slipped a little bit. I mean, you give up a, a boatload of points to Duke, uh, not super sharp on that side, score a bunch, great win, excited about it. But, you know, then you start to look at, um, you know, Syracuse shooting 63% is, yes, a bit of an anomaly, but I do think that the guards being able to fill it up the way that uh, Gerard and Sterling did, that is like maybe the key to it because you've got Armando Baycott on the back end, but they might need to get a little bit better with their perimeter defense. So all in all, North Carolina is still a team. Like CBS is going to have its top 16 seed uh, release on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Um, and North Carolina will be one of those top four seeds. I think North Carolina will probably be a top three seed as they break it down. And I think on Selection Sunday, they're going to be in a position where the expectation is Sweet 16, and then we'll see what happens. But the we'll see what happens is going to come down to whether or not they can tighten up the defense. It was the reason they won 10 in a row, and I think it's the reason they've lost three of their last five. But you think they, you think they beat the Hokies tomorrow, yeah? Man, I... I I don't want any part of that game, Kyle. <laughs> you want to know why? Because they haven't been playing well, and they've got a week off on the other side of it. So, like, this is the, the game before the bye week. This is the you know, coaching staff is like, guys, just give me anything. Like, pour it out. Then you guys get to have full week off. Like, there's, it might be sloppy. You know, the focus might really be tested. This is a North Carolina team that needs a break in the worst way. So are they going to stumble to the finish line or are they going to, I'm sure as Hubert Davis is hoping, get that effort, get that energy level, pour it out a little bit, knowing that you've got the break on the other side. So with that wide range of predict, like the wide range of outcomes that I could see happening, everything from yet another loss that throws everybody into a panic to the, a gutsy win that has them entering the off week on a good note. Both could easily happen in my mind. So I've got no official picks. You won't find anything from me on Sportsline about this game. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's probably a North Carolina win. But again, any outcome would not surprise me. Chip Patterson, we appreciate you, brother. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Y'all be well. There you go, Chip Patterson, CBS Sports, CBS Sports Network on the TV. Also in your earbuds, the Cover Three Pod with Danny Cannell, Tom Fernelli, Bud Elliott. They do a tremendous job. A 704-570-9610. Playmaker Baker just said uh, Madden, the video game, Madden has been bad because they put all their effort into NCAA 25. Now, listen, I I've heard some griping over the last couple of years about Madden. Smoke just panned it uh, several, uh, what, last segment. Right? Last last time I played Madden was like 2015, 2016. But it feels like a little bit scapegoaty, like a little Kyle Shanahan-y to say that uh, Madden stinks because they've been developing NCAA 25. How about this? It's because they have exclusive rights, so they can just rest on their laurels. It's probably more that. I, and listen, I'm, I'm the furthest thing from an authority here. Like, the Madden specialists out there, do you feel the same way? I'm curious. 704-570-9610. Like, do you think the game stinks now? As several people on my text line are telling me. Um, also, also, Richie wanted to let me know that grown men playing video games is why we're going to lose World War III. He wanted me to put that out there. That's what he said. So, uh, World War III already happened. Took place between 1995 and 1998. Look it up. <laughs> Three rings. Yeah. 60 people. Yeah. 
Uh, Kevin Nash won the last World War III. Okay. You know what? Hour number two next is the best audio in sports on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.